is Caroline Torty, and I am a choreographer and a director. I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brennis Female. I launched this podcast so that powerful women would share their journey to unlocking their own potential, to empower others, and to inspire change. If you like today's show, as always, please subscribe, rate, and review on the app of your choice. This week, my guest is Caroline Torty, an internationally renowned creative director and dance choreographer. Originally from Toronto, Caroline has seen her work take her around the globe. Among other productions, you would have seen her work on So You Think You Can Dance Canada and Hysterica, the LA dance performance choreographed by Mandy Moore. If you've ever wondered what career path is available to you as a creative or artist, look no further for inspiration. Taking her expert skills in contemporary jazz and other dance genres, Caroline has built a career for herself, directing her own features or being called to take part in leading dance productions either for film or for the stage around the world. But as we all know, a career as a professional dancer comes with its unique set of pressure and challenges, especially for a woman. Listen to Caroline's journey as she's carved a unique path for herself. Great meeting you, Caroline. Thank you so much for coming on The Brennis Female. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Good. Um, I always start these interviews by basically starting at the beginning. So I'd like to know about, um, you know, when you were growing up, what, who was young Caroline? And did you always dream of doing what you're actually doing today? All right. Yeah, I started dancing when I was three. So wow, that's yeah. small. Yes, <laughs> um, grew up as a competitive dancer. Um, knew from a pretty early age that I wanted to pursue dance mm. beyond you know the competitive realm and beyond high school. Um, although I did take a little brief break to try university, I got accepted okay. to the McMaster Commerce program because I had relatively good grades and barely went to that year of college and mm. realized okay this is not definitely not the route that I want to go so that was a good little reaffirmation that the creative you know lifestyle was what I wanted to pursue so um I feel like from a pretty early age that was kind of set for me mm. um and then after high school I started entering the professional world going to auditions Uh, slowly, slowly booking some work as a dancer. Uh, and then 10 years into my dance career, I started choreographing, getting some jobs choreographing shows and music videos and things like that. Um, I started my first company with my previous business partner where we did for five years music videos, film, TV, uh, live productions. Mm -hmm. And then now since then have branched off for the last three or four years on my own and now getting into directing as a new you know a new venture and a new creative outlet which I'm just feel like I'm a student again and I feel mm -hmm. like I'm just starting all over again in a way but I, I love that I, I, I thrive on that mm -hmm. so that's been exciting and did you have any role models growing up in in the field of dance or other creative arts like who was your inspiration Um, oh, there's so many. Uh, in my my personal life, my the role models I had, my mother was always a, a driving force. She was a self-made uh, businesswoman. She didn't even start working until after she had my brother, who's five years younger than me. Okay. She started working as a demo and, you know, at the Bay selling perfume and oh, yeah. worked mm -hmm. her way up to be national sales manager of oh, her wow. company. Just no college degree like just kind of a self-made woman like that 
Um, in the dance world, I had so many, so many teachers and mentors. Um, my childhood teacher, Kim Falcone, this choreographer, Linda Garneau, who's very well renowned across Toronto. Um, and then I started branching out, traveling to LA and New York and taking classes from different people. Uh, Mandy Moore was a big choreographer that I got to work with who she choreographed La La Land and now she's mm. also executive producing and directing on Dancing with the Stars and So You Think mm -hmm. You Can Dance. So she's a huge role model and inspiration. I learned a lot from her and just watching her path and some of the choices she's made has been huge. And then now more recently that I've you know, caught in the direct, caught the directing bug. Um, I'm starting to go back and study filmmakers, mm -hmm. you know, so looking at some female filmmakers, Cynthia Scott, and then classics like Hitchcock and Scorsese and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Stanley Kubrick and things like that. And just trying to be a sponge as much as possible and, and learn from the greats. And also I find the community around creatives now more than ever is, is so, exposed in the best way possible mm -hmm. that with social media and events and networking and communities especially within Toronto you can be aware of all the work that's going on around you and be inspired by that and connect with people and collaborate with people mm -hmm. so that feeds you as well totally mm -hmm. yeah um, we all know the dance world is pretty competitive and you know when we think of movies like Black Swan that basically mm -hmm. showed the, the dark side of the mm -hmm. dance world uh, how was it you know being a young woman and trying to kind of make a name for yourself in the industry it's very challenging um, growing up as a uh, working as a professional dancer even growing up in the studio you know you spend hours upon hours looking in the mirror Mm -hmm. judging mm -hmm. yourself what you know supposed to be done in a constructive way but you know as a teenage girl obviously there's so many issues and body dysmorphia and identity that you I, every dancer I talk to a lot of my peers about this and a lot of younger dancers that I work with um and it's something we all feel mm. whether we really succumb to it all the time or it's you know just this quiet thing kind of always present in the back of your mind but it's unnatural to stare at yourself all day long mm -hmm. in a mirror you know and That's then true. you get into the professional world and you're auditioning and it's you know the entertainment industry so you're going to hear a thousand no's mm -hmm. before you hear five or ten yeses um so it really really takes a thick skin and you know it's a constant mental health battle to just focus on what you're doing to try and you know be grateful for your strengths try to work on your weaknesses but it's definitely something that I think with every phase I find I'm reconfronted by the same kind of struggles mm -hmm. you know when mm -hmm. I was a dancer then as a choreographer now as a new director the same insecurities come come about mm -hmm. it's very interesting but how do you deal with them I think it's the same approach that I've always used and it's some days are better than others. Some mm -hmm. days you are like, I am terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I should not even be doing this, you know, and other days you're, you feel more focused and more strong and you're like, okay, no, like I can look at my accomplishments. I can look at the things that I know I bring to the table and feel confident in those and like use those as the pillars to stand on when I'm going for something that... I'm maybe not so sure of, or I'm attacking something that's new territory. 
Um, but I think it's just being open about it for me Mm -hmm. has been very helpful talking to a lot of people and realizing that we all feel this way and we never feel, you know, as an artist, you really never feel 100% satisfied. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And some people may look at that negatively, but it, it, that is the driving force for you to continue to create. So Mm -hmm. it's just finding the balance where you don't let that dissatisfaction yeah. pull you down too far yeah it can't take over exactly you let it kind of be a, a bit of a wheel to mm. keep propelling you forward and what would you consider was your first big break either in dancing or in in being choreographer um what was there a moment when you felt okay i know i did this for a reason and now you know the stars are, are aligned and i'm actually making it mm-hmm. uh, in in this field I think the the most obvious one that comes to mind, I had been auditioning as a dancer for five years or so uh, when So You Think You Can Dance came to Canada for the mm-hmm. first time. And I had done very small jobs up until then, but I, I wanted So You Think You Can Dance so badly. And I went to the audition and I remember sitting and watching the other dancers and everyone, everyone in Toronto, there's so much talent here mm-hmm. and everyone was great. And I was sitting there trying to decipher, okay, what do I have that I'm not seeing up there right now that I can bring to this to, Mm -hmm. like, you know, make sure I get on this show and, you know, get this opportunity. And it was just an emotional thing, a passion, like, just bringing that little bit of extra um, conviction to what I was doing. And I got on the show. I made top 20. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was a crazy ride, Mm. crazy whirlwind, that show. But after that, it opened up a lot of doors because mm-hmm. I started working with some of the biggest choreographers from Toronto, from Canada, and even some from the U.S. So that after that show, it really set, you know, it set the bar for me as like, okay, if I can get, A, if, a, if I can get through this, because you're dancing like 12 hours a day, mm-hmm. you're, it, the emotional stress is crazy on that show, Um I knew, I was like, if I can get through this and come out on the other side and succeed, then I can handle anything you after can do this, anything. you know? Yeah. And then, you know, that was such a fantastic platform to start the rest of my career off and to start moving into bigger roles as a dancer and then teaching workshops, choreographing. People would, you know, kind of hear about you and find out about you and call you up and say, hey, come choreograph this music video or come dance in this music video mm-hmm. or this film or this show. So... That was probably the launch pad, I would say, for everything that day. came. Yeah, everything yeah. that kind of came from there. And is it difficult launching a business, actually running your own business in, in a field like dance where obviously you rely on other people noticing you and calling you for, for certain roles or certain gigs? Like how does you know business development even work when you're, when you're in, the, in the field of, of dancing? I think it's tough. I think it's also something that... I learned along the way. I never, you know, I never studied how to run a business when Mm -hmm. I was, even though I went to one year of commerce school, I just did (laughs) algebra and like, you know, (laughs) calculus and things like that. Um, But the arts especially is a interesting place to run a business because there's a lot of, you know, exchange for exposure and things like that where, it's tough to find and and determine what the value of your work is and stick to your guns mm-hmm. in terms of rates and negotiating things like that. Right. And 
weighing, you know, this opportunity is good because of XYZ, but they're not paying me anything or this is great pay, but not artistically fulfilling whatsoever. And kind Mm -hmm. of that balance is difficult. And then just all the day to day things, figuring out how to do your own accounting and do your taxes for your business. And I started with a business partner and, you know, figuring out that dynamic Mm -hmm. was had its ups and downs as well. So I think there's no, no rules to it in a, in a sense. And I've just kind of learned as I, as I've been going and I've finally found a place where these are my standards. These are the things I won't go below. These are the way, this is the way I like to operate with clients and with people Mm -hmm. and then networking. Mm -hmm. Our business is like almost a hundred percent based off of networking. Almost every big job I've gotten was not because I submitted to, you know, a call for choreographers or a call for dancers. It was almost always from somebody knew me, worked with me on another job, saw me on a show like So You Think You Can Dance, and called me up and gave me the job. Mm. Was there a time through that process where you questioned uh, the decision you had made to actually be in business in that field? Was there a point where you're like, this is not going to work, I, you know, I should be doing something else? Honestly, no. I never felt that way. I definitely felt that there were times where things weren't going my way, you know, where I didn't feel like the right opportunities existed mm-hmm. in Toronto, let's say, while, it, when, when, while I'm living here. Um, but I've always been the type of person where if there's not, if I don't see the work that I want to be doing, I just try to create it okay. for myself. Mm-hmm. So um, when I started choreographing and getting into directing, I wanted to do a short film. I wanted to produce my own film and or at least choreograph a film and Mm -hmm. at that point it was a lot of commercial work it wasn't really I at least I wasn't getting approached to do you know crazy artistic dance films so Mm -hmm. I said I'll just just create it myself you know and find the funding and mostly from our myself and Mm -hmm. you know my team and put it together and make it happen and I feel like that's what you have to do you have to keep pushing you know you can't just sit around and wait for somebody to come and give you the job that you want. You have to keep creating anyways. Mm -hmm. And eventually from what I've learned at least and what I've seen is if you're creating the things you want to be creating and like, you know, kind of projecting the work you want to be doing already, eventually people take note Mm. and they come to you. Mm -hmm. So that's something that even recently my fiance and I started our own production company creating dance-based content and dance films and, you know, just posting on all, all the work we've been doing on social media and talking to people about it. And already we got our first client after like a month, mm. you know, coming to us saying we, we want great. you to come create. Thank you. Yeah. So we were like, that's, you know, that's the power of, you know, sticking mm. to your guns and doing what you believe you should be doing mm-hmm. and putting it out there, of course, showing people what you're doing, but having you have to have faith mm-hmm. you really really do um we talked a bit about the the bad side of the dance industry from a kind of body image standpoint mm-hmm. and, and a, a self-confidence standpoint um we also know that you know there's there's a lot of me too stories in the in a field of, of dancing as well mm-hmm. um was this something that you ever witnessed or experienced 
and do you feel that it's it's changing finally because we're we're seeing in Hollywood, for example, mm-hmm. we're at least having discussions about the about the issue, and there's uh, you know we're definitely seeing a change in the industry, mm-hmm. although it is taking a, a mm-hmm. lot of time. So I, I wonder how how what the reality is in the in the field of dancing. I think it's still working its way up to where Hollywood is at. I think Hollywood is a little bit more ahead of the dance industry. I feel like dancers are always a little bit worried about where their next job is coming from and stepping on the Mm. wrong toes and that kind of thing. I was lucky. I've so far and hopefully never have to encounter anything personally where I felt like, you know, I was being harassed or I was being, you know, coerced to do things to get a job. Mm -hmm. But I've witnessed it. Mm. I've seen it happen to friends of mine right in front of my eyes. I don't know if I just have a hard exterior and people knew not to... Not to try. You know, like, <laughs> no, she's not going to go for this kind of thing. But mm. I've seen it happen. And especially with dance, it's such a gray area because... And I, I'm sure, I guess, with acting as well. But dancers are so physical with each other. Mm. You know, that's the nature of what we do. So it's hard to draw a line in the sand you know, and there's both sides to every story, of course, but I, I hope that people, and I've, I've heard of some cases coming to light more recently, and it does seem to be more frequent, so I'm really hoping that we're going to kind of take a cue from Hollywood and start telling our stories for those who have them, and Mm -hmm. make sure that, you know, the people who are doing things like that get the help that they need. Right. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a witch hunt, and, Mm -hmm. you know, end someone's career necessarily but we need to help rehabilitate people too and teach everybody that like this can't happen yeah this has to be a safe environment Mm -hmm. you know or and do you find that there's more conversations at least in the industry about the phenomenon Mm -hmm. totally i think that women are talking a lot to each other i think women are talking to men Mm -hmm. you know i've had lots of conversations with um, my male assistants, other dancers that I work with, choreographers that I work with. And I think, you know, people are a lot more aware, even just of the way they're speaking and the way they're interacting with each other in rehearsal environments, because we're all artists mm-hmm. and we're all a very free people, but we still have to remember to respect each other's boundaries and to make sure that everybody feels safe and comfortable, you know, but most people that I that I work with on a regular basis, and maybe it's just the people I choose to associate with as well, I never feel that there's an issue, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it, it is happening out there, and when it does happen, you know, I hope that women or men who are going through this feel that the community is supporting them and we're, we have their backs, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about the transition to starting uh, doing work in the in the field of directing and film. So, what drew you to that to that sphere, and how did the transition start happening? Mm-hmm. I started working um, a lot in film and television after So You Think You Can Dance. When I started getting hired a lot as a dancer, and one show in particular that I did was this cheerleading show called Hellcats out in Vancouver. Okay, and I did the whole season, so twenty four episodes. I was out there and um, ended up getting a speaking role as a character on the show so it was like really involved Mm, you know like every week we were on set four or five days a week kind Mm. of thing 
And I just started paying attention instead of, you know, break time, go on your cell phone or go get a snack. I would just pay attention to the director, the camera crew, the lighting, you know, producers, writers, and just how everybody was interacting. And I just grew fascinated with the art of filmmaking. Mm. Um, And then for for years I did that. Honestly, even before I knew, okay, I might want to try my hand at this. Um, Just trying to pay attention to how things were done, to what things worked, what things didn't seem to work so well. And then my first attempt, my first foray, was my first short film, which was Mm. entitled Ruin. Um, And we actually went to uh, San Francisco Dance Film Festival and it screened there. So that was a wonderful, wonderful experience. What was the film about? Uh, It was about a woman uh, through a series of relationships losing pieces of herself Mm. until by the end she was kind of unrecognizable in the mirror and we did some really crazy VFX where her face (laughs) was like being contorted in different ways um yeah so that that and was there a dance element in the film yes it was 100 percent a dance a dance narrative I would call it so story told by dance no dialogue but still with a clear storyline not your music video visuals you know more a little bit more of a through through line narrative um, and then once I went to the film festival and saw, because it was all dance film, mm. I was just, my mind was absolutely blown. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I need to be doing. Um, and at the time that film had taken us at least a year to make from like the ideation all the way through to the final product. It was, that felt like such a long process mm. to me. And then for the next couple of years, I worked on some ideas, but it, I never really produced anything because I felt, oh, it's going to take an entire year and, mm. you know, it needs to be perfect because this one did really well and that whole sophomore album kind of right. feeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then my fiance and I started talking and we were working with, he came from a production background. Okay. And so he's not, he's not a dance. He's not a dancer. Okay. I mean, he's a good dancer, but he's not a dancer. <laughs> not a professional dancer. Not a professional yeah. dancer. <clears throat> so we started teaming up with his crew and his guys that he works with. And we just started doing little things. And that was such a great, um, way to get your feet wet without this like looming, this is a film. This has to be this entirely perfectly thought out Mm -hmm. narrative from top to bottom. Instead, we would just do um, some visual things and some quick, you know, one minute videos that had this message or that, you know, this was the idea behind this. And once I started doing that and getting the hang of it, it became so much easier to Mm -hmm. start to think about, okay, now let's do something with a bit more thought behind it. Let's do a bigger production Um, yeah. And since then, you know, I've learned a lot. I've been paying attention, reading blogs, you know, listening to podcasts, studying, watching a lot of movies, (laughs) lots and lots (laughs) of movies. Yeah. That's the best way to to be inspired. Just in taking, you know, as much information and as much content as possible. Um, and now one of my favorite things is like trying to see classic techniques from, let's say like for example the last uh piece that i shot we used an alfred hitchcock technique called the vertigo vertigo zoom mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know i was like why can't we do that in a dance film you know it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to just be in a dialogue film um and just 
trying stuff out, you know, it's... Are dense, do you find dense films are a little bit more conservative than other types of films in, from a technical standpoint? No, like, there's a lot of really good, fantastic cinematography out there. I feel like it's very heavy in the contemporary dance. Right, right. You know, very abstract uh, world. And the way I like to choreograph and, you know, what I think my strength is, is a little bit more um, a fusion of some elements of contemporary, some elements of jazz, some elements of some urban styles of mm -hmm. dance. So it's it's a little bit less on that high art, super contemporary, abstract world, and right. a little bit more, um, I guess, mainstream. I don't know if that's the right word for it necessarily, but, you know, using cine cinematography to create the movement and to create the feeling. Like, that's one mm. of my big things that I like to strive for is I like to watch it and feel like, I'm the dancer and you know as, as the viewer I want to feel the emotions they're going through as opposed to sitting back from afar you know and, mm. and watching the technicalities of the dance right. I really want to like I try to get a lot of tight shots I like to mm. edit it the way that it feels for the dancer um, so yeah so tell me about some of the work that you're doing right now and is it mostly your own productions or do you work on other people's productions a mix of both. A lot of our own productions right now. So um, our company is called Hallowed Grounds. Um, kind of the the meaning came from like the the sacred space where you create. Mm. Those grounds are hallowed, um, and we're just trying to create as much as possible. Okay. Collaborate with mm -hmm. whoever is, you know, interested in collaborating with us and keep expanding our, you know, keep stretching those muscles and keep expanding our, mm. our knowledge base and our portfolio. And then now because of that, we've been contacted by other people, some really wonderful people that want to collaborate. This guy in New York, who's this incredible, incredible photographer and filmmaker, just, you know, messaged us on Instagram the other day being like, Hey, I would love to collaborate with you guys. Mm. And we're like, <laughs> oh my god like, we're obsessed with his work so. okay so that's like a dream come true a little bit yeah and then other people that i've known and worked with a lot through the toronto music industry mm -hmm. music videos things like that now are coming and saying hey can you come and produce so you still do quite a bit of music videos as well yeah if they come up for sure yeah you know i i think that as a director w with my background as a choreographer and in dance my strength right now and where i feel very comfortable is like short form so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. music videos creative short films mm -hmm. that kind of world eventually i want to get into dialogue and okay. and longer feature length stuff but yeah. i don't feel like i'm ready yet i want to mm. I want to know more before I dive into that world. So mm. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, you obviously lead a super busy lifestyle, you know, between the dancing, the business, the, the, the production, all of that. And you do very physical work, you mm -hmm. know, as, as your, as your job really. Mm -hmm. So what's important for you to stay, uh, kind of balanced and healthy mm -hmm. physically and, and, and mentally at the same time. Yeah. I find I have a, <laughs> pretty good regime of I like to run mm -hmm. I'm a runner I love running it's my like headspace clearing it's you know one form of meditation for me mm -hmm. when I'm mm -hmm. out there just kind of clearing the mind it's also a great workout keeps you you know 
in good shape. And you run outside, I assume? I run outside. I'm getting better at running on the <laughs> treadmill. I find it really boring. I do too. Yeah, I can't. Just I'm so happy one place. I know. Because in the winter, it's just I can't do the treadmill. <laughs> I know. I force myself to sometimes, but I much, much, much prefer mm. running outside. Also, I find I'll run a lot further if I yes. run, you know, three kilometers away from my house. Mm. I have to go back. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know? um, so running, uh, I do, you know, endurance training and hit mm-hmm. training and all that kind of stuff. And then yoga, okay. a lot of yoga. I find my body needs that when it's getting put through the ringer. Now mm. I'm not dancing so much myself right. because I'm choreographing and directing. Right. But, you know, I'm 34, mm-hmm. so things, they they need to be kept in, in, in place. <laughs> Um, I do want to practice and study meditation more. I'm mm. not great at it, admittedly. Um, in yoga class, I can do a little bit, but I try with my, you know, Headspace app. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Well, we'll get you hooked yeah. up with, that, with the ladies from home where we're recording so yes. we can try one of their workshops. Yes, I, I need the guidance for sure. <laughs> um, but I just try to stay as active as possible. I definitely find a correlation in self-confidence and productivity mm-hmm. when I'm being active right when I'm getting out there up in the mornings you know go to the gym first Mm. thing or go for a run before my day starts my day is you know exponentially better Mm -hmm. on those days right so just keep trying to keep that habit and not let it fall to the wayside when I'm on a busy job because that that's definitely one of the things I find is the hardest sometimes you know there's a job I do every year in Switzerland and my days are like 16 hour days wow day after mm-hmm. day after day after day so That's you're tough. just you're yeah. exhausted there's no time so after I come home from that it's always like okay let's do the the body mental health check-in mm-hmm. and like recalibrate everything for a week or two because mm-hmm. you know you need to mm-hmm. yeah. and from a, a nutrition standpoint is there anything that you do <clears throat> Some, something special in terms of your diet or supplements that you take? Um, I eat really healthy at home. Mm-hmm. We cook super healthy, lots of vegetables. I st- I'm, We play around with vegan and vegetarian meals, but we're not strict at all. Okay. Um, I eat a lot of fish, mm-hmm. but really like greens as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Trying to you know stay natural with everything. Don't really eat a lot of processed food as right. much as possible. Yeah. Try and buy as much organic when when we can. Um, and then that's I don't take any supplements to mm. be honest with you. You know, in, during the winter I try and take some vitamin C because mm-hmm, otherwise you know you won't survive. Cold season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just trying to find. I try to find the nutrients I need and the nutrition I need in real from food. the real yeah. food as yeah. much as possible. My aunt is a homeopathic practitioner and she'll always she's got you know all the wide array of of supplements Mm. and I look at it I'm like oh that boggles my mind just (laughs) if I if I have a question though she's my go-to gal for Mm -hmm. the supplements yeah and is your speaking of of your aunt is your family supportive of the the path that you chose of doing dance and now being involved in film um, sure, and yeah. was it was it kind of a creative background already in your family? Not really, not really. My dad is an accountant. Okay. My mom. Um, <laughs> different different type of creativity. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got to get creative sometimes <laughs> for sure. Um, my mom uh, was you know worked different jobs. She was a secretary and whatnot until she had me and my brother. And then after, went to work for uh, Calvin Klein. She started working in the 
doing demo stuff and worked her mm-hmm. way up through Cody Cosmetics. So she's in the beauty. Yeah. Well, yeah. she's retired now. Mm-hmm. She's just retired. But she worked for many, many years really high up in Cody Cosmetics. And I, th- I know, and we talk about it all the time, that that year that I went to college and then after I said, okay, sorry guys, I know you're going to mm-hmm. shed a tear, but I'm not, I'm not going back for my second year. Like, I know this is what I want to do and they're so proud and, and, mm. and I think it's been eye-opening for them because I really am the only artist who, like, my profession is in the creative world in my family. So I think it's been interesting mm. for them to watch how you have to navigate and I don't think... Like, I have to explain it a lot. Sometimes they don't understand. Well, like, what do you mean you're not... You don't have any work for two weeks. <laughs> you're off for two weeks. Right. I'm like, well, I just did 16-hour days it, for yeah. two months. Yeah. So, you know, it's... Depends on the project. That, that's our life, right? Mm-hmm. It's busy and then mm-hmm. dead times and then busy and then, you know, not so busy. But um, they're, they're really supportive and, you know, they'll always say, you know, if you had finished school, it'd be really useful right now <laughs> that you're trying to run your business. I'm like... Yes, I know, but that <laughs> I'm making it anyway. That wasn't the way things went, you yeah. know. And there's professionals out there that I can have on my team to help with mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. things that I am not definitely that are not my forte. But they're supportive, and I think ultimately they want me to be happy. And yeah. they know they could tell when I was younger and trying to go to university that I was miserable, mm. you know. And to me you know, you spend so much time at work, no matter what you do. It's such a big part of our lives that if you don't love what you do, if you can't be grateful, I get so excited. I'm more, I'm happier to be working than not when I'm not working. If I Mm -hmm. have a little bit of a break between contracts or between jobs, I go stir crazy. And Mm -hmm. I, that's when I get down on myself. That's when my Mm -hmm. mental health doesn't, isn't, you know, fluctuate or isn't uh, flourishing as much. So I love what I do. That's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think I could ask for anything more, really. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice to a young girl who wants a career in dance? Mm. I would say train as much as possible and be as versatile, diversify mm. your skill sets as much as possible, and be true to yourself. Try to find you know, there's so many, now dance is so huge Mm -hmm. in pop culture and mainstream, you know, there's so many ways you can go about leading a career as a dance artist these Mm -hmm. days. So find what speaks to you, dabble in things, try things, you know, don't, don't limit yourself, but really work on, on kind of honing your voice. Mm -hmm. And then once, you know, that takes some time, that takes some years of trial and error for sure. And then once you find that, just go for it Mm -hmm. just keep driving keep pursuing keep pushing and be creative with the way you do it you don't there's no one path when I look at other choreographers other dancers um everybody's story is a little bit different Mm -hmm. everybody got to where they were by you know a different path a different connection yeah Yeah. there's not this one linear path Mm -hmm. you know I think if you compare to say like a doctor yes it's very it's much more straightforward very structured right you do this you do med school you do Mm -hmm. residency you become a surgeon Mm -hmm. you know but for us it's like this winding Mm -hmm. medusa kind of thing Mm -hmm. so and what do you what would you say would be the biggest obstacle to someone who is trying to have a career in dance in dance or other creative fields eventually I think it's kind of getting out of your own way 
you know, mentally. <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> there's, there's this quote, um, gosh, I can't remember who it's from. I think I want to say it's Martha Graham, famous, famous yep. choreographer. Love Martha Graham. And she says, it's not up to you to determine if your work is good. It's just up to you to put it out there, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what we, we stress about so much as dancers, as choreographers, as directors, anyone who's creating something and putting it out there in the world for people to, you know, judge, critique, intake, be inspired by whatever you want to call it, depending on people's reactions. But it's not our job to sit here and say, is it good enough? Is it good enough? Because mm-hmm. you're probably never going to think anything is really good enough. And mm-hmm. I, I talk to any artist when they look back at their work from three years ago, they probably can't even watch it or right. look at it, yes. you know, because yes. they've evolved so much from that point yeah. that it's like, oh, oh God, I can't even mm-hmm. take a look at that. But that's not our job to critique ourselves. Our job is just to put out what what we feel like our message is or, you know, what what's inside of us that we want to put out in the mm-hmm. world. And let it kind of go out there and live and it will the right opportunities will come when someone when your work resonates with someone Mm -hmm. they'll grab onto it and that will start pulling you in Mm -hmm. you know the right direction and I do think something that's difficult today is with the all the exposure that we have because of social media um, and in the creative field often we'll see somebody whose work is let's say not necessarily the best Mm -hmm. you know among among peers but yet they will get all the likes and all the attention on a social platform Mm -hmm. because of whatever they did yeah um how how do you navigate that and how do you think that that can be navigated by someone who's starting out in the industry because that can be tough and that can be a blow to our self-confidence i think social media is a crazy whirlwind and i have i personally have a love-hate relationship with it you right. know I think yeah. it's such an incredible tool and a great platform for artists it's mm-hmm. it's 100% your visual resume now mm-hmm. I know uh, a movie that I'm working on now they just and I'm actually dancing on it coming out of retirement oh great <laughs> um, they literally asked your name your height and your Instagram profile uh, you mm-hmm. know and yeah. if you are the type of person who isn't active and you're not really putting your work out there and not using it the way many other artists are, you could very likely lose that job because right. you don't have, you know, this following. online representation, right? The following thing, oh, don't get me started. I know in LA now they're doing like on casting calls, you have to have 10,000 or more mm. followers to even come to the casting call. I don't know how I feel about that. Mm. Not really cool. I think there's, you know, there is people who put out quantity yeah. and and we know from how social media works that the algorithms reward that, you know, sometimes quality stuff takes time and yeah. you can't be, I can't put out a, a film or a creative concept video every week. Of course. And I see people who do that, but I see the level of production and yeah. I understand what that takes. It's very, you know, quick and dirty and... Yeah that's getting them their kind of... But then I think for me, that's the brand that they're developing. Mm. They're, you know, kind of taking it down a little bit and putting it for the masses. Yeah. Whereas... Quantity over quality. Exactly. Whereas I would rather keep the mm. level of, of the work high, maybe put out less often, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, make sure that when we're putting out something that I stand behind you're it from really a quality proud. standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's ways to supplement that. You know, if you're 
working on a production that, say, it's your own personal short film and mm-hmm. it's going to take you six months to produce it, make sure you're shooting behind-the-scenes stuff so you can be posting that while you're in the editing right. process. You know, so it's not six months of nothingness yeah. and then this amazing film. Yeah. But there's, you know some related work that you can be posting and Mm. you know nowadays I find people are super hungry to collaborate Mm -hmm. so it's easy to find um you know little side projects if you are kind of in between your big projects and you want to still be outputting creativity and it's a great you know tool to practice yeah yeah hey you want to get together and do a photo shoot I'm going to creatively direct it you style it Mm -hmm. you come and do hair and makeup we know we're all collaborating together and now we have some nice photos that we can all some use. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's a game you have to play a little mm. bit as an artist. I mm. think the the social media thing, but you got to do what feels right for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago, um, someone who worked in social media telling me, "You need to do selfie videos. You need to like that's what people respond to. You need to hold your phone up and talk to the camera. <laughs> hey guys, blah blah blah." So you know, I tried. I'm terrible at that. I can't. I love. I after the video's done, I'm like, oh god, no. Do a hundred of them, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this. Yeah, it's just, it's just not me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm very happy to post behind the scenes videos yeah. of what's going on and photos and yeah. stuff like that, but that's not part of the game I can do, so I don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just choose how I'm going to represent myself and the work that I do and my art and my brand mm-hmm. and. If it doesn't feel good to me, I just don't do it. Right. Yeah. Which I think is a, a wise way to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there's a couple of signature questions I ask all my guests. Mm-hmm. Um, if we go back in time, mm-hmm. if you had a chance of going back in time, is there something you would do differently? Hmm. I would learn how to play more instruments oh okay okay a weird thing do you you play any instruments i play a little bit of guitar cool not very well (laughs) um but i just feel like that's even though unrelated it is very related to what i do and Mm -hmm. i feel like i would just expand that the artistry of my work at a much younger age Mm -hmm. i think you know whether it's in dance or watching more classic films um or in music i would have started that growth had I known that this is where I was going to end up and that this is the things I was going to be influenced by like I don't think 14 year old me knew that I would really value classic films or you know classical music and you know want to know how to play the piano and things like that so Hmm. and if you if we could Fast forward 10, 15 years from now, looking back, what's the one thing you'll be the most proud of? Mm. That's a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) I think right now, um, I think right now I'd be the most proud of the work that I'm doing right now. I think I do feel that with every project, especially with my production company, with Hallowed Grounds, that every project I learn from and gets better. You know, I, I already look at things we released in December and I'm like, okay, like the, I'm proud of it. Mm. You know, especially under the, some of the constraints we were working with, with time and locations and stuff like that. But I feel like every project, I, it gets better and I'm pushing myself and I'm learning new things. And, and we're, I'm doing all of this with my fiance 
on our own. You know, we don't have, that's great. We don't have funding. We Mm. don't have any corporate backing or Mm -hmm. anything. We're just doing it on our own and it's trying at times, but Mm -hmm. it's so worthwhile, you know, when, when you see that final product or even when somebody you really respect, you know, congratulates you on something. It's, it's incredible when you're like, thank you. Like, we you did can, that all ourselves. That's it. You can be super proud yeah. of the work you've put in. Yeah. And what's next for the business in the next few years? I think that expansion is our next goal, getting a bit of a more solid team underneath us so we don't have to do everything by ourselves, yeah, yeah, you know? Okay. <laughs> um, and, and really just finding the right collaborators uh, in the film world, in the television world, mm-hmm. um, and just trying to keep expanding the creativity of the work that we're putting out whether it is mm. for say a brand you know not just shooting something that they're kind of used to but pushing their boundaries as well mm-hmm. right now we're doing uh, character profile and bts content for a tv show but we don't want to just do what you're used to seeing mm. as typical bts we want to keep it creative we want to keep it in the world of the show and try to make it a continuation of the story of the TV show instead Mm -hmm. of just, hi, I'm so-and-so from this show. Um, So I think just expanding, finding more more collaborators, more avenues to kind of push the boundaries Mm -hmm. of what we think we can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Great. Is there a book that it could, in in your case, it could be a movie also, a book Mm -hmm. or a movie that Mm -hmm. deeply influenced your life and your career path? Um... I would say the War of Art mm-hmm. is a really good the one. The Art of War? Is it the Art of War? Yeah. The War of Art. Art of War, yes. <laughs> God, I haven't read it. I read it when I was very, very young. Sure, that could be a good title, too, The War of Art. Well, I think, isn't The War of Art, It it's based on, like, The Art of War is mm-hmm. based on a really old... Oh, so then, it might, so then you poem. might be, because I'm, I'm talking about the original Art of War, which is... Okay, yes. So the original Art of War, and, yeah. then the War of Art, I believe, is the book that talks about the creatives, like ah, okay. how okay. to how to essentially live your life yeah. as a creative, mm-hmm. and just the war, is it the war, is it, yeah? So that's a different one. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it is, Based it's kind on, of like yeah, a play yeah, yeah. on words of the Art of War, and how, you know, the Art of War is this like strategic you know but it's flipping that to the war of art Mm. kind of like how as an artist there is still strategy and you know dealing with the obstacles you have to deal with Mm. how to like navigate your mind to get you in the right mindset um that's a really good one and there's one more book i can picture it i have the audio book it's a really colorful um cover I think it's called the creative life or something like that but um just it's one of those the message I took from that that was so important to me was you don't need to be a tortured artist to be an artist Mm -hmm. you can still live (laughs) a normal life you know you don't need to kind of totally succumb your entire Mm -hmm. Uh, existence to this one piece of mm-hmm. this one painting, this one song that you're gonna live or die for. Exactly mm-hmm. that you can find balance within your life mm-hmm. while still, you know, being open to inspiration and putting your full passion into your work. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a good little reminder for mm-hmm. artists because I think there's so many examples out there of these, you know, iconic artists who just you know 
took their lives and, and yeah. tore them down for their art. Mm-hmm. And they made some of the most, you know, memorable pieces of art in the history of the world. But they also at what greatly suffered in a process. Exactly. And as an artist, you're like, I want to... You idolize them in a certain yeah. way, but you're like, but I don't want to Yeah, I also want to be overdose, You know, exactly. I want to yeah, be yeah. able to still mm. do normal things too and have mm-hmm. a family and, and make money and live and travel and do all the things that regular people do. <laughs> people do, yeah. 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 yeah, that's super interesting. Is there a quote, you've mentioned a quote by Marta Graham already, but is there maybe a saying, something that you repeat to yourself over and over? Um, there was always this Latin saying, I don't know why I like, read it when I was very young um, and it means through difficulties to the stars para spera ad astra and I don't know why it stuck with me and I don't feel like I've had this you know difficult life in mm-hmm. any way but I feel like everything is relative and everybody encounters difficulties uh, in a multitude of ways and that just always when things aren't feeling so great or I'm just not having a good day or times are really tough mm-hmm. I just try to remember that and you know through difficulties you find you know everything worth having takes time mm-hmm. takes work you know otherwise it wouldn't be worth it kind of thing mm-hmm. so just trying to remember that that saying always just lives in the back of my brain mm, I like that one <laughs> those were my questions awesome. thank you so much for coming on it was great getting thank to you know so you and what you me. do thank you and best of luck for the next steps and the, the next few years and thank your, you. in your, with your business If you like today's show, as always, please subscribe, rate, and review. It really makes a difference. I'd love to continue the conversation with you on social media, so please visit us on Instagram or Facebook. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Thank you for listening to The Brand is Female.